Thank you for joining me for Soulful Conversations with my community of fellow travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. These conversations highlight what travel really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. Each week, I'll be speaking to women who are tourism professionals, world travelers, and leaders in their communities. We'll explore how travel has changed them and how that has rippled out and inspired them to change the world. These conversations are as much about travel as they are about passion and living life with purpose, chasing dreams, building businesses, and having the desire to make the world a better place. This is a community of people who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness, and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. I'm Christine Weinbrenner-Eyrich, and this is The Soul of Travel. For more than a decade, Paula Vlamings has worked at the intersection of tourism and sustainability. She is currently the Chief Impact Officer at Tourism Cares, a travel industry nonprofit whose mission is to be a catalyst of positive social, environmental, and economic impact for the people and places of travel. Prior to Tourism Cares, Paula was the Executive Director of the Planetara Foundation, the nonprofit foundation of the global travel company G Adventures where she pioneered incubating social enterprises supporting women, youth, and indigenous communities into the tourism supply chain. Paula spent over 10 years in politics, which provided her with a unique set of skills in diplomacy, fundraising, and cross-sector collaboration. Paula's sustainability work includes leading a national multi-stakeholder Food for the Parks initiative at the Institute at the Golden Gate, which is a program of the Golden Gate National Parks Conservancy. That effort resulted in a national policy change to more sustainable practices in our nation's parks, in collaboration with First Lady Michelle Obama's Council on Environmental Equality. Paula is an international speaker on sustainable tourism and is frequently called upon as a media source for publications, including the New York Times, Forbes, Afar, Travel Weekly, and Newsweek. Paula is also one of the co-founders of the Future of Tourism Coalition. In our conversation, we talk about the importance of travel in her life since childhood, her dream-made-reality journey spending two years traveling to 17 countries, driving from San Francisco to Tierra del Fuego, and how all of this time spent in the world helped her to understand issues facing both travelers and communities. This connection is brought into her career, and we talked about the ways she works to address global systemic issues and the work she is doing with Tourism Cares and Future of Tourism Coalition. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Paula Vlamings. Welcome to Soul of Travel. I'm Christine, and I'm so excited today to be sitting down with Paula Vlamings, who is the Chief Impact Officer of Tourism Cares, one of my very favorite job titles. I feel like that we should all aspire to be a Chief Impact Officer. Maybe it's not meant to be my job title. Regardless, I am so excited that you are here for this conversation today. Um, I love Tourism Cares, and I really can't wait to learn more about your story and also the work that you're doing. Hey, Christine. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Um, Well, as we get started, the first thing I'd love for you to do is just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are in travel right now. 
Thank you, Christine. Um, as you mentioned, the, the hard title of Chief Impact Officer for Chores and Cares. And um, I came on as CEO in the beginning and then has transitioned into this impact role to really help the organization evolve. Um, we've been evolving our mission for the last three and a half, four years now, um, moving from a volunteer-based organization to a sustainable travel organization that is helping uh, the industry, that the, more of the mainstream travel industry, move along its sustainability journey. So it is a organization that has about 180 members um, that spans the entire travel sector. It's very cross-sector from uh, rental car companies and hotels and tour operators. We were sort of born from the tour operator associations, USTOA and NTA, and we also have ASTA on our board, which is the American Society of Travel Advisors. So it's an organization that's really supporting the industry for the long-term survival of the industry, sort of helping it move along its sustainability journey and connect to the communities and destinations that we depend on. I mean, this is the the, the heart and soul of why we travel and, and helping protect those destinations is what Tourism Cares is all about. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I know that I have loved seeing that evolution um, as my career has evolved as well. I feel like there's been a lot of similarities. And I really love seeing that across the board from organizations that I kind of bumped into early on and then seeing them grow and shift and really have the opportunity now, I think, to become real visible leaders in the industry. And um, that's really exciting for me to get to, to witness that because it's been something I've been passionate about since my grad school days. And I feel like finally this time is arriving where um, we can really start to create the impact that many of us have been thinking about for many, many years. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it feels like I've been at this for 15 years now, but it, it's never more prevalent and never more important than now coming out of COVID where we see what happens when we live unsustainably, when we live in a, in a way that's that's creating these conditions for such such a pandemic. So it feels very important now, even though we've been in it all these years, but it's it's we're playing the long game here. And so we have to keep at it for sure. Yeah, no. And it's really good to have this kind of uh, boost and rekindling to reignite, I think, and just really bring some new vision. And um, later on, we're going to talk about some fun collaborations and other ways that the tourism industry is kind of evolving together. And so um, we can really highlight what that looks like. Um, but before we get there, I would love to talk a little bit about travel in your life. Um, and so one of the questions I really love to ask is how did travel find you or how did it begin to show up and how did you begin to recognize that it would play such an important part of your life? Oh, Christine, I think I'll go all the way back to the beginning for just a minute. I think for me, travel has always been a part of my life. I grew up as a military kid. I was My dad was in the Air Force, um, but my parents had immigrated to the U.S. in their 20s from Holland, from the Netherlands after World War II. And so I grew. I was born in Key West, Florida, and I moved to Biloxi, Mississippi, and then I moved to Ankara, Turkey, and it just kept going and going and going. So we moved every couple of years. So travel had been a part of my life pretty early on, kind of a gypsy lifestyle, nomadic lifestyle style as a family. And then um, I definitely had that travel bug in me. And I think I lived overseas for about uh, almost seven years. I left when I was eight years old, moved to Europe and grew up there until I was 15 because all of our family was there. And we traveled a lot around Europe um, and just got a sense of many different cultures and and many different ways of living and belief systems. And and I think that opened up a whole world for me. And then as an adult, I I gravitated towards public policy and politics. And I worked in in that arena for, for many years, really looking at how do we create better systems, better policies, better laws. Um, and so that's been a part of, I think, the evolution of me ending up working at an NGO, a travel NGO, that the, between the travel and, and knowing that so much of doing tourism right and doing tourism well relies a lot on, on uh, public policy and local, local ordinances and, and different land rights and water rights. And all of that is built into the tourism destination management is what they call it now, I guess. But um, I ended up, I was working in, in the political arena and then ended up running an institute, an environmental institute in San Francisco, very much focused on sustainability and met and learned from some of the best sustainability leaders in the world were brought together at that institute. And I started to really feel like the, the travel part of what sustainability is and these holistic systems really started to be ingrained in me through that experience. And I was able to really 
um, uh, parlay that into a, a career in, in, in travel and sustainability. And that has led me to, to tourism cares. Um, but before that, I ran the Planetera Foundation for G Adventures, where we really started to see how do you integrate impact organizations and really doing good in the world into travel itineraries, kind of moving beyond the dependency model of charity and philanthropy, which has a role. But if you plug it into these companies, we really started to see long-term benefits and real sustainable uh, income generation and, and, and real change and impact. So that was all the evolution that, that brought me here. But I think it's many components of my background, which I think is the case for many people. Each layer kind of adds to where you end up. Um, but travel has been a part of my my life. And I think when I started to see how I might be able to parlay that into a, a career through sustainability, it started to all make sense for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I love, I just love seeing how, like you've mentioned, those layers come together to become kind of this, this perfect puzzle. They sometimes seem like they're really disjointed, but all of a sudden you like find, you know, the missing piece that was underneath the table and you're like, oh, okay, this really makes so much sense. And I I just love how it creates a space for people to show up in this industry in a different way because they can use all of their passions and educations and um, experiences throughout their careers to funnel them into these different positions in travel. And so um, I I think that it's really important for people listening to hear how that journey can look and how that, how it's really important, what shapes you, leads you where you are, are going and that it really is a journey. I also just on a personal note was so envious of the idea of a military family and a military brat growing up. I thought that was like, the best situation. Like I really understood it would be hard to leave friends and move from place to place, but really young, I knew I wanted to to travel. And I just thought, man, those people are so lucky that they have to travel. Like they just have to. (laughs) And I'm sure looking back, every situation has its own benefits and downfalls, but that was one thing that I always really wished I would have been able to experience growing up. It's, it's funny because at the time when you're a kid and you're moving all the time and you leave your friends behind and you, you think this is the worst thing that could happen to you as an adult, you kind of go, wow, what an opportunity. And I think it's also made me very adaptable. Um, you can kind of find your way in any situation. And that I think helps with, with travel because that is certainly something that's uh, the unpredictability of it is the joy in it. And I think that's something that you learn as a military kid that mm-hmm. you can't really count on uh, too much. You just have to be flexible. And I think that's, that's also the way that you see the world. And I think it gives you a, a little bit different perspective growing up. I think that's something really interesting too about professionals in this industry or people working in tourism is that adaptability and that flexibility, because as you mentioned, it's very much a part of travel. And I think it's that resiliency that we've learned through travel that has really allowed for us to be uh, innovative and also sustain, you know, our hold our ground during the, the last two years and really keep examining new possibilities. And I think that if any population of any industry was set up to be able to try to do this, it's the tourism industry. And I think I've, again, we've kind of mentioned um, some of the collaborations and things that have come out of this, but I just think it was really amazing to witness that in action also for the last two years and see how lifelong travelers used that to move themselves forward during this time. Did you find yourself drawing on that resiliency professionally as well? Yeah, I think, you know, it was interesting because everyone had a very different um, spectrum of risk. And and some people in my world were absolutely 100% not traveling, not leaving their house, not willing to, to do that. And then there's there's all this layers of how comfortable are you and how do you feel going out into the world? And I think those of us in the travel space were a little bit more risk tolerant, um, trying to be as careful as we could. But I think we were ready to get back to it, I think, because we missed it so much, but also realizing that the industry really depended on it. And certainly the communities that we serve um, were really dependent on it and, and were having a hard time knowing that travel wasn't going to be part of their existence. And that was was part of the push to for us to figure out ways to keep going. But 
I think that resiliency that's built in from just decades of travel and having to pivot no matter what happens to you helps in the professional world to know it's going to it's good we're going to get through this and we're going to have to see this through and you and you find ways to make it work and and many companies did certainly we did as well of virtual or just knowing that that the world will open up again people talked about are we going to travel you know w- will travel come back and and I never had a doubt because that is certainly the way of the world of of not just so many more people wanting to travel but it's accessible to us now we see it on social media we know that it's out there and we want to experience that um so i think that helped a lot in terms of jump starting the industry again yeah i was thinking also about how you mentioned that when you were younger traveling and how you got to see and engage with the world really shaped how you wanted to show up in it later you know really understanding witnessing firsthand different cultures and different experiences led you to kind of looking at it from the systems approach and into politics. Um, And I think that is so powerful. That's why I think, why I really encourage people to travel. I think a lot of us think about it as this trip or vacation, but really it's this way of having a greater understanding of your place as a global citizen, I think. And um, I mentioned to you before we hopped on here that I'm getting ready to travel with my daughters for a year. And um, it's something before I had children, before I even knew I would have children that I wanted to really place importance upon because I would see young people traveling with their parents or traveling alone. And I just would know that those experiences they were having were going to shift forever how they viewed everything about the world. And I think it's so important. And I know that you had another really great experience. Um, In 2014, you set out to realize a big travel dream of yours. Can you share a little bit about what that dream was and um, and what you gained from that experience. Oh, Christine, first of all, I'm just so thrilled that you're going to take a year and travel with your girls. First of all, I think that's just the most amazing thing because it is a freedom that you'll never experience ever in your life unless you do it again. And your girls, to your point, it's going to be a life-changing, eye-opening perspective for them and an education that they'll never get in a classroom. So just, I know it takes a lot of courage to take that leap. I know how hard it is to unravel your life, but we started out in 2014 and it wasn't a spur of the moment thing by any stretch of the imaginations. If you know my husband and I, we, you know, we plan things out, he plans things out. But when we met, when we were in our early twenties, we had said to each other, we would love to, you know, we had a dream to travel the world for a year and it had never left us. We talked about it for many years and then we got good jobs and we bought a house and life sort of snuck away from us. Um, and then we were in our mid to late forties and we thought this is, this is never going to happen unless we plan for it. So for 10 years, we sat down with a financial advisor and we said every year, how are we going to have enough to get out? And in 2014, we bought a, a pickup truck and a, a pop-up camper. And we sort of built that rig for a couple of years, putting it together in San Francisco. And then we drove from San Francisco all the way down through Mexico, Central America and South America to Ushuaia, to the end of the world, to Tierra del Fuego. Um, and we lived on the road for 26 months in the back of that pickup truck. And um, through 17 countries and 26 border crossings, we traveled slow and we camped in these communities that many hadn't seen tourists. And and we also hit every single tourist destination between here and the bottom of the world. And I think for us, it was a very different way of traveling. I've been traveling professionally for years. I've been traveling personally for years, but this was a way to really slow down and to get to know the communities. You know, we shopped in their grocery stores we, you know, we struggled with a lot of the same things that they struggled with. There were towns where there was no water. We couldn't get enough water to fill our truck. The showers turned off for five hours a day or the water was turned off for five hours a day. I stood in line for four hours in, at an ATM and got to the front and there was no money anymore. I mean, we really struggled with many of the issues that these communities deal with on a daily basis. And yet we airdrop tourists into those communities and they have everything that they need. And so we started to really see the disconnect between what these tourism communities communities were able to offer travelers and what they were dealing with themselves on a day-to-day basis. And that really started to inform my work um, and my desire to come back after that trip and, and really engage in, in sustainable tourism and community tourism, knowing that those resources are so precious in those communities and that we as travelers can't just take them. We have to invest and we have to give back to those destinations in order for them to thrive. So living on the road like that was um, a, a real eye-opener and a life-changing experience experience for my husband and I, because we also 
saw the world very differently and had to maneuver through the world very differently. And even through those countries that are considered quite dangerous, we found the people to be so warm and welcoming. They took good care of us. We had no problems. And you know, my husband likes to say that 99% of the world's people are just wonderful and friendly and kind. And that is certainly what we experienced. And at the same time, we saw a lot of negative impacts. You know, Many, many communities in those destinations don't benefit from any tourism. Um, and that's certainly something that's part of our mission at Tourism Cares to, to help bring those connections, those market connections to those folks. But just uh, aside from that, it was it was the most free time in my life as an adult, and it was the most joy and exploration. And to see the world that way, to see every nook and cranny as slow as we could, it was it was quite a remarkable experience. And I really applaud you for taking taking the leap because it's a it's a difficult leap, and at the same time, it's it's really a life changing time. Hey, it's Christine interrupting this conversation for just a moment to remind you that I have a trip heading to Jordan soon. As my Soul of Travel community, you may know I also have a travel company I am slowly bringing back to life. Lotus Sojourns gives adventurous, mindful women an opportunity to be a part of a global community connected by aligned values and transformational experiences. I have been dreaming of this trip to Jordan for so long, and it's finally time. I am booking this sojourn right now. You can still join me for this small group experience in September, but registration closes on May 30th. On this journey, we will be focused on connecting with women in social impact projects close to the most magical spots in Jordan, including Petra, Wadi Rum, and the Dead Sea. You'll also get to prepare and share a traditional meal, sleep in a Bedouin tent camp, and practice yoga at sunset in the desert. We immerse ourselves in community, connect to nature, explore the magic of this country, and heal in community. Are you ready to nourish your soul? Embark on a life-changing journey to the beautiful country of Jordan. Visit our website or email connect at lotussojourns.com to book before May 30th. Now let's head back over to our soulful conversation. Yeah, thank you. I I keep thinking about like, how do you go from, you know, nine to five, go, go, go to two years of slow travel. And as I understand it, you didn't really have an agenda or an itinerary specifically, like you didn't know you were going to be this place by this date or this place by this date. So you were really really had a lot of freedom and sometimes adapting to that much freedom can be a real struggle for people. Um, I don't know how, how did that, how long did it take for you to get into the swing of that or for that to be something that felt natural and not, you know, so contrasting to your normal or your life prior to that? That's a good question. Um, I think the first couple of weeks, you know, we started in, in San Francisco and ended up in Baja and then and went to mainland Mexico. But I think there was a two, three weeks where we sat on a beach in Baja and just kind of watched the pelicans fish. And we're just sort of in a state of shock that this is our life. Um, and as we started to travel around, I think one of the misconceptions about life on the road is that it's sort of like an extended vacation. Um, and we quickly realized that it's not, it's your life. You just happen to be living in a rolling, a rolling house, which we call our Casa Rodante, which just literally means rolling house. But you know, you're dealing with a lot of the same things, you know, you've got to find shelter every night and you've got to find places to eat and, and groceries. And, you know, you have all of the, you know, where do we find internet to do these things? So it started to really get into a rhythm. I would say probably two or three months in um, where we started to realize that this is our life. It's not a vacation. And to just really soak up these moments. Cause we knew once we got off the road, we would look back on this and think, wow, that was, that was so amazing. Even the hard parts. And a lot of people, we called ourselves overlanders because we're, we're making our way over land. But most of the people that you'll talk to will share that it's a lot of really high highs and low lows um, because there's times where you're camping in a place. So you're just like, I just, this is not living the dream. I can't believe I'm sleeping in a gas station, for example, because the distances between these two points is so vast and you need a safe place to sleep that you're sleeping in a gas station um, or driving for, you know, down in Argentina three days in a row without seeing anything. I mean, anything, and then thinking that this is just the boredom might kill me. And then that will open itself up to finally getting to wherever you need to be and camping with penguins outside your 
your camper window or, or waking up to the sound of a whale just offshore. And those moments are just so incredibly precious. And, and they're the gifts that we really, really realized on the road. So as we got into this groove of knowing that those moments would come, um, the lows started to, to be worth it. Um, that seems like, and as much of travel is such a good metaphor for life in general, knowing that you really have to be paying attention to those high moments and help them to even out the low and know that, you know, that's always right around the corner. And I also was kind of envisioning like a day of hiking and it's, you kind of go through those similar emotions just throughout a day where you're like, oh, this is the worst trail. My feet hurt. Why did I do this? Oh my gosh, that view is amazing. It's starting to get hot. Oh, I can't believe it's raining. I didn't bring my raincoat. That thing isn't, you know, you just kind of go through that in your mind and um, the process of doing that for two years. I can't decide if that sounds amazing or really, really intense, <laughs> but um, I, I think yeah, a little bit of both. Yes. But I think I, I, I love sharing this because I think um, so many people uh, have dreams like this and they don't allow themselves to create the space for that to happen. And I just think from anyone I've ever talked to how, who has gone ahead and taken that leap it has really shaped who they are. And, um, much like you said, like who you, who you are professionally getting to spend so much time in those communities, see that need, understand it firsthand and then be able to come back and create something that serves those communities. I, I think that that's um, so amazing. I, I, I just think that for me, that's what lights me up. And I really wish that everybody could have an experience that means something like that to them and then be able to fold that into the life that they create after their travels. Absolutely. I, I do feel that if you have those experiences outside of sort of a structured tour or, or something like that, you, you can kind of get off the preordained or the pre-structured and have those spontaneous experiences. And that does really shape how you see what tourism can do and what travel can do. And I think that, that, you know, that, that meeting of the mind and part of that too, is just meeting other travelers from all over the world who are having their experiences and, we, you know, it was, we were out there on our own independently. And I think that's a very different way to go through the world. And it really has informed the need to bring community into travel experiences, right? So that you're not a spectator, that you're very much of an interaction and, and, and a learner. And I think that's where you really remember that you're coming into these people's homes. And we were literally camped in, you know, the driveways of people's homes, or we would get lost and they would get in the truck with us and they would drive us to their, to their property and tell us that we could camp there. And and that's where you start to understand this, this exchange. And that's why for me, community tourism is so incredibly important is because those are the magical moments to find those experiences and to sit down and break bread and to understand other people's struggles. They're very similar to our own, and yet they're nothing like our own. And that's the, that's the moment that you start to have this, this respect for, for what other people are going through in our world. Yeah, absolutely. As you were describing that, I was thinking that those are some of the real key pieces that I had in mind as I started to create my company, Lotus Sojourns, were, were those awarenesses of the importance of community, of those moments of breaking bread or having sharing tea is kind of what I also talk about and wanting to create those experiences for people, but also allowing them to do it as a group because there's something about seeing an experience through other people's eyes and having awarenesses you might not have because we are experiencing every travel experience through our own, you know, our own experience. And, and we, we may not notice something that somebody else would because it's just not a part of, of our, our own set of beliefs or challenges or whatever that we might be bringing into our travel experience. So um, I love that you've shared that. Uh, I think that's a, a great point to start talking a little bit about the work that you're doing at Tourism Cares. And um, specifically, I'd like to start talking about the meaningful travel map, because I think that's so interwoven into this idea of community. And um, like you said, noticing some of these tourist attractions, the places that people normally have on their bucket list, if you will, and then all of the magic, I think, that lies around it. And so I'd love for you to talk about the Meaningful Travel Map 
I know it started in Jordan, which I'm excited to be actually um, headed to soon following the Meaningful Travel Map as part of my guide. Um, it was something I was really excited about when I saw it come into creation. So can you walk us through how that collaboration started and why it was created, who it's benefiting, um, and things like that? Absolutely. And I'm so excited that you're going. Uh, Christine, you're like the epitome or the poster child for why we why we launched this project is for other tour operators and other people in the travel industry to know that these incredible experiences exist and to visit them and incorporate them into their own itineraries. And that's the that's the ethos of the meaningful map is, is creating these market connections and creating these opportunities for more communities to benefit through tourism. And so Jordan was launched in 2018. Malia Asfor, who sits on our board, she's the director of the North American Tourism Board for Jordan. She had this brainchild to really connect these communities that she knew about to the rest of the travel industry. And part of that was, you know, many people go to Petra, many people go to some some of the hot spots in Jordan, and they do it a couple of days or three or four days add-on, but they don't really um, dive into the warmth and the beauty of the people some of the other experiences around the Jordan Trail that just got launched when we did that program. So we worked for about a year with these community organizations through a community development consultant to get them market ready, to get them um, more developed into tourism. And then we brought about 70 tourism professionals to these experiences. They were senior level product people, they were sales, they were CEOs to feel and experience what this kind of travel is like without that experience, without bringing them there. I don't think that they would have really seen and felt the magic. And so that's why our meaningful travel summits are part of the meaningful map where we curate these experiences with the destination and with the community. And then we um, work with them to launch the meaningful map of, of Jordan. And, and we also went to Columbia and those, those experiences are on that map. Um, it's really a, a conduit and a, a portal for these communities to connect with the travel trade industry. And so once we launched Jordan with 12 social enterprises, now Jordan is working on expanding the map with other experiences. Um, but that is an opportunity to say you can you can spend a week or two uh, going through these destinations, but if you really connect with the community, you will have a much more um, rich and, and real understanding of, of, the, of the sense of place. And so we did this in Puerto Rico and we have launched it also in Colombia. And for Colombia, it was really coming out of this conflict, 50-year conflict, where they are looking at tourism as this opportunity for really creating a new economic model, a new opportunity for communities um, to to tell their story and to rewrite their story about that conflict. Um, And so that country and pro-Columbia was really looking as a sustainability to be really key to their development of tourism. Um, So we were in and around Medellin, and we were really working with 15 social enterprises that were telling their story and building tourism in a way that was really going to positively impact their community. And what we found is when we bring tour operators to these experiences, they come back and they're very excited and they put these experiences into their itineraries. And that creates a real full circle loop of not only travelers finding a really unique way to experience a city or or a, a destination, but that money goes back into the community and it really helps the community thrive. And at the end of the day, that's what we as tourism industry professionals want, right? We want these communities to do well and thrive and be safe and beautiful for our travelers. So it's a real full circle loop. And the Meaningful Map, we're hoping to develop into a tool that the industry can really look to to find these experiences. And we we work with community organizations to vet them and with destination to promote them. And then we hope that the travel industry knows that they're there and, and we'll, we'll look to the map to be a place and, and a clearinghouse for a lot of these experiences. So we're going one by one, but now we're also, we're in the uh, the stage of really strategically looking at how do we build the map out? How do we create more scale around that with more destinations? So we're looking to promote sustainable um, meaningful product. And so that map over the next year is really going to get built out. And, and we launched North America during the pandemic, as you mentioned, that includes Canada and, and we're building Mexico. So we really hope that the industry will be cognizant that this product exists and how to work with them. And we have a product development guide as well for that. So the map is is the tool, as, is the tool to be the connector for all of these experiences through the destinations that we're working with. Yeah, that's great. I have recommended it to everyone that I can because I think it's such a great model. And for me, that's what I want most out of a travel experience and to have a resource that just does that for me. I mean, that's why when I when I saw that happening in Jordan, I thought, okay, now is the perfect time 
to go, which unfortunately didn't turn out to be the perfect time because I didn't know that we were going to be on the precipice of a pandemic, but um, it was just, it was easy coming from it from a professional perspective. I was like, great. I don't have to do research. Um, You know, knowing Malia and knowing her dedication and the way she views travel, I knew 100% and the work that Tourism Cares does, I could just trust this. I didn't have to spend a lot of time as, you know, a one woman business trying to figure out all the ins and outs. I know that I want to work with women's social impact projects. Like it's such a valuable resource. So I'm so excited to see it be expanded and for people to really pull it into um, the the itineraries that they're offering and for all sizes of businesses. I think that it's really relevant to create impact. I was um, thinking about a time when I was in Uganda almost 20 years ago, I guess, and I was in this village kind of It had taken us so long to get there. I have no idea where we were, but these women who were artisans brought all of these baskets and weaving and they were showing them to us, you know, and offering us to purchase them. And it was incredible. And I remember just being in this room where it was piled high. And I thought, how do we get tour operators who are already in these rural settings to connect with these artisans and hear the story and, and support them through purchases. So like probably however long ago, I was wishing that something like this existed. So that's probably part of why I'm such a enthusiastic champion of what this means for the industry and for communities around the world. Yeah, and that's a great example, Christine, because I think that there's there's so many organizations out there that just need a tap on the shoulder and they need a little bit of help to get ready and to understand how to work with the travel trade. It's not it's not a plug and play for any any stretch of the imagination. And so we hope that by supporting them and working with the ones that have already been vetted, you know, business owners like you can say, okay, this is this is the place that I want to plug it into, and 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 how do we really build our itineraries around that? And certainly, you know, there's there's so many more that are out there that we have not known about. And I think the more we talk about this in forums like this, the more travel advisors and business owners can understand how incredibly rewarding it is to build product like this and how incredibly impactful and important, particularly for women-owned businesses. We know that if we invest in women in these communities, they're the culture bearers, they will invest in their communities, they'll send their kids to school. We know that that investment is really critical. And so, if we can use tourism's dollars to do that and that benefits the community and the traveler has a great experience, it could just it just feels like the way we should be moving forward. Um, but I think those experiences are ones that are also better for the traveler. And just to give you a quick example, in Colombia, when the displaced people were move, moving into the mountains outside of Medellin, there's an entire community that lives in the hillsides and they, they were cut off from the actual city. So a few years ago, the government decided to do a lot of infrastructure work and they built an escalator and it's an outdoor escalator that literally goes way up into the mountains. It's amazing. And so most of the tours that start in Medellin, they go up the escalator, they get to the top, there's some t-shirt shops and ice cream shop and they do their little pictures and they ride the escalator back down. And we worked with a community, uh, a a guy by the name of Freddie who has this Sombata who found a cassette during the conflict and during the the drug wars in his community. And he listened to this and it was an American rap, DMC, hip hop music. And he started to really gravitate to this music. And it was music that really resonated with the rest of the community. And it kind of saved him. So we work with him and we walk through his neighborhood all the way through Comuna Treze, which is this neighborhood on these little walkways through these communities. And we learn his story and we meet his tia and we have a drink And by the end of the tour, we end up at the top of the escalator and we have an ice cream and we write it down. And the difference in that experience is so rich and it's putting money in in that community where it's going to stay and and really multiply throughout the community, as opposed to just showing up, taking a picture and leaving. And what you're describing as well is like, if we can honor the traditions of these communities in a way that's respectful and, and build from the ground up and the way they want to present their tourism, it's a very different future for these communities. And I think that's a really important way to build trips. And for travel advisors also to know that this exists for your clients and, and it's, it's, it transcends every price point 
I believe that luxury travelers want to understand and learn and have these experiences just as much as budget travelers. So um, there's always kind of a disconnect between, oh, sustainable travel, it's too expensive or sustainable travel, it's, it's too bare bones and it's too raw. So it exists all the way through the spectrum because I think there's there's no there's no um, demographic that doesn't want to learn and understand and support. I think all travelers want to be part of the part of the solution and not part of the problem. I think that's pretty universal. Yeah, and I think really stepping away from the I guess I think highly perceived notion that sustainable travel just talks about you know maybe staying in an off grid property or you know items like that. And when you really look at sustainability and what it's meant to be is to consider the environment and the culture and community and really building things from the ground up so that they have long-term sustainability. I think people don't fully understand that meaning. And when you look at it from that aspect, why, well, I'm super biased, but why wouldn't everyone want to have that experience? And it is so deeply impactful like you said, you could just ride that as- that escalator. It's going to be a beautiful view. You're going to probably feel like you had a pretty cool experience. But when you take that moment then to, to explore and to spend time and have one-on-one conversation, I think that human connection speaks to us at a different level. And we are really deeply connected to the experience. And that is invaluable. And that, I think, when you're looking at this from an operator perspective, that's what your travelers, once they feel that, I don't think they will ever want to travel without feeling that. I know I don't want to travel without feeling that. Like, I am constantly open to that experience. I'm awaiting the next person who's going to bring, like, a little bit of magic into my life by sharing their story. So I'm I'm really excited and I'm grateful for you spending so much time talking about why this is important and impactful because I think it goes so far beyond what people typically expect out of a travel experience and opens the doors to such great possibilities. And not only that is when we have such a deep resonant experience and are so invested, I think that's where the system sustainability really even amplifies because then people want to find a way to give back or they want to support organizations doing things like this in the future. And I don't know if you have seen that ripple effect out of people who have been engaged with this project in Jordan and um, Colombia. Have you found that they have seen their travelers having those experiences and had that, that impact in their business? Yeah. And it's, yes. And it's interesting because when the decision makers have these experiences, the decision makers in these travel companies, they themselves see it and they feel it and they know that it's going to be that case for their travelers. Um, We certainly found that at Planetera at at G Adventures where uh, those trips were some of the more talked about meaningful experiences and they really resonated for those opportunities, which is why the company continues to build the product that way, because it is such a, a, a special kind of way to travel. And I think that's also really an important point is just by traveling this way, you're supporting these communities. And I think going beyond, you know, donating or, or giving back, which is incredibly important or volunteering, there's a way to just travel this way that supports these organizations and creating a business opportunity for them, which creates long-term impact and, you know, skills transfers and all of those things that are going to support that community long-term. And that's using the tourism economic engine, which is so huge and powerful. And I think a lot of times if we just started to really all move our businesses toward this, the kind of impact, the positive impact that we could have in the world to address some of these big issues that we see, I think we all struggle with the inequity of our experience. We come from very privileged places usually to be able to travel the way we do. And we see these inequities. And if we just start to build travel in a way that supports them, it's really a a win-win and a full circle of prosperity for everyone. And I think that's what companies are starting to see. And certainly that the travelers, when they experience things like this, they'll, they'll, um, they'll, they'll understand that this is a way forward that's not necessarily a disadvantage to, to either side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, it just makes me so happy for as many people to hear this as possible. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. 
Uh, I would also love to talk about, we mentioned earlier, some of the collaborations and the innovation that has come out of this time in the industry. I think one of those was the Future of Tourism Coalition. It's one of those things that as it started to drop in front of me on LinkedIn, and as my colleagues started talking about it, I got really excited to to see it starting to unravel. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, the Future of Tourism Coalition and its mission and um, how people can uh, be involved with that. There are six NGOs involved in the coalition, plus the GSTC, which is the Global Sustainable Tourism Council. And we started having conversations before the pandemic about ways to collaborate because we all felt as sustainable travel NGOs that we were doing our work, but we weren't having as big of a voice. And we thought if we banded together and we really came together to see ways that we might collaborate Um, we could have a stronger voice in the industry. And then the pandemic hit and we said, oh my gosh, if we don't come out of this stop, this shutdown in a a different way, we're going to really end up back where we started. And and what an incredible opportunity to take a pause and see what we've been doing wrong and, and adjust. And so we got together and we decided to form this coalition and all of the leaders were fairly new. And so it was kind of a new opportunity to come together in a, in a, in a collaborative way and not a competitive way. I think we started to realize that there's no competition in doing good and it takes a holistic approach. It takes a, a, a real multi-sector approach of all of us working together. And we all have different areas that we work in, but we overlap. But I don't think most of the industry knew what we were doing. We were all just a bunch of letters. It was Crest and STI and GSTC and all these letters. And what do we actually do? And so we wanted to get more clear on that and offer up to the world what what each of the NGOs do. But we also started to feel very strongly that we have to start looking at putting destinations, communities, and environments at the forefront of tourism's development. Because for so many, many years, it was like, Let's go build a tour company or build a travel experience that the traveler wants that's safe without a regard to what impact that has to the community and what they need and how those those indirect impacts are going to happen down the, down the line. And so we've come together with these 13 guiding principles that talk about how do we put communities at the forefront through measuring different things for success, not just heads and beds, but how are we measuring for local employment? How are we measuring for clean water? How are we measuring for, you know, waste management? Those are, those are metrics that destinations need to adhere to as well if tourism is going to be successful. And then certainly understanding the effects that climate change is having on these destinations and how do we decarbonize your supply chain, which sounds really amorphous and, and hard, but when it comes down to it, it's it's purchasing local foods and seeing how to buy locally and those kinds of things. So those are elements of everything that goes into those 13 guiding principles for the coalition to be a supportive entity to companies and to destinations. We've all worked with different different um different areas in the industry and different areas in the destinations. But now we're starting to see how we might overlap. Um, And it's interesting because there also wasn't really a place or a forum or a movement in sustainable travel. We were all kind of working in our silos and we don't have a big conference that we all get together in. We don't have a big uh, trade uh, uh, association that lobbies on our behalf. We didn't have any of that. And we felt it was really important at this stage in our world coming out of the pandemic to have some kind of a collective. And when we started to put that out, we started to see that a lot of people like you, like, um, you know, all of these business owners and travel advisors who really feel passionately about this also didn't have a place to sort of glom onto. There were different places and and things that you could um, be a, a member of or an association of, but nothing that really brought us all together. And so to date, we now have almost 700 signatories to the Future of Tourism Coalition. We've partnered with Tourism Declares a Climate Emergency, and they've, they've come into the fold through the Travel Foundation. And that has over 300 businesses who are, who are coming out with their own climate action plans. And we've decided, or we, we worked very early on to work with the COP26 talks, the climate talks in Glasgow. And we were, it was the first time that tourism had an official agenda at the climate talks which is kind of amazing because we, you know, we like to say that we're one of the biggest employers in the world and we're 10% of GDP and we create all of these jobs. And yet we haven't really been at the table in terms of dealing with some of these bigger issues that are not only affecting our business, 
but certainly affecting the communities that we operate um, in and on top of. And so that was kind of a big moment that the coalition was supporting that, that declaration. Um, and now coming into this, we're, we're working on a toolkit of all of our different offerings and practices, and, and we'll be putting that out this year to show the industry how we can be a benefit and how we can support on those, those different areas. But it's it's looking at the industry as a whole and saying, how do we create more sustainability practices within the industry and within the destinations that are going to support all of our livelihoods long-term, not just at the local level for communities, but our own livelihoods as, as travel industry. Once we saw that it shut down and we saw how much many areas benefited from no people and no tourism, we also saw how many areas and benefits or areas and people were really suffering under the lack of tourism. So how do we balance that out? Um, and it's been a really interesting um, adventure because the organizations are really building a high level of trust and a high level of awareness about what's going on. And now we understand the different efforts that are going on. So if you're working in Destination X and we're working with this company that's looking to expand there, now we can have a, a collaborative conversation about it. So that's that's a form that we're building. And we have a community platform as well that anyone who wants to sign on to be a signatory with the, with the principals can be part of that community to ask best practices or they're just beginning on their sustainability journey or they're moving along and they've hit a hurdle and how did company X deal with that or we're a destination that wants to decarbonize. What does that mean? It's really a community of sharing best practices and asking questions and sharing failures so that we can all move forward because we're all selling the same destinations. I think that's something that we kind of forget. All of these companies, mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, are selling the same places, the same destinations, and they're going to thrive or, or decline based on what we do there. And I think it's really important that we work together um, to bring the industry together to support those places. So that's really the benefit of the coalition and, and the hope for its future. Yeah, I, I'm so excited about the space that you just described. I know that, again, early in my career, I, I would lean towards finding these organizations and following them and trying to, you know, I'd listen to this here and read this here and follow this. And then one would drop off and I'd find another one and like trying to keep track of all these pieces. And I luckily knew they existed, but it was through like my own effort of like really trying to figure it out. And also like, I could also kind of witness as someone from the outside, I'm like, these people are kind of doing this and they're doing this. And this kind of overlaps here. And, and I've always had this mindset of collaboration. And I thought, man, what, it would be so amazing to see these to work together and then this organization come into the fold. And I think it's so hard when we have these passion projects that these organizations started as, right? And you are really fighting to survive, get your mission out there, find a way to create an impact that a lot of times you're so buried in the work you're doing. You're not necessarily looking at the person who's like in the tunnel right next to you. And so, like you said, this pause allowed everybody to say like, okay, this is the time where we really need to come together and amplify the work that we're doing. And so I was just really excited. I couldn't really believe that all these organizations were sitting together at one table talking about this. And I was just waiting to see what would come from it. So um, I just give my little applause to that action happening. I think it's really speaks to where we're at as an industry to, like you said, to really start to, to bring the attention to this and create some real powerful impact. And um, I'm excited to see what this looks like in the future as, as this continues to grow. I am too. I am too. <laughs> I was just going to say companies who are looking for this or who are eager to do this like yours, there has to be a place to go. And that's that was sort of the idea of let's just start this journey together wherever you are because it's so important that we get as many people on this on this effort and, and in this movement as possible. Yeah. Um, well, for people who are really inspired by this conversation, how can they get in, involved in or learn from, be a part of both Tourism Cares or Future of Tourism Coalition? Yes. Well. Uh, getting involved with Tourism Cares, there's a couple of different ways. Certainly, you can join as a member. I mean, as a company or as an individual, we now have a professional membership where individuals can join. Um, we also have events that we do in North America. We do one a year, and then we do our global summits. Um, those are 
primarily for members, but definitely if there's companies that are eager to come um, just to reach out to us. But we also have an education platform. It's called the Meaningful Travel Platform, and it's an open source platform right now for people who want to just learn from, you know, social enterprise development in your itineraries to what's a child safe program or animal welfare policy, or really looking at what climate and, and climate justice looks like in tourism. So that platform's available. Um, and then as we start to launch the meaningful map, that's certainly something that advisors and companies can get involved with. But first, you know, just shoot us an email, let me know that you're interested, and, and we'd love to see different ways that you might be able to engage with, with, uh, with Tourism Cares. And the Future Tourism Coalition, if you are um, interested to just sign up as a signatory, there's a small sort of form that you go through just to put your commitment out to adhere to the 13 principles and then come into the community. So it's a, it's a very low barrier to entry, but it's certainly of the like-minded and, and the committed. Um, we, we try to talk about um, radical collaboration in the coalition. And so we, uh, we are eager for anyone that's um, interested to join and be a part of that collective to, to push the industry better Then that's certainly an open place for them to join with us. Okay, great. Thank you. And I'll have the um, websites and everything in my show notes. So for people listening, you can just look there to easily find that. Um, before we wrap up, I have a series of rapid fire, rapid fire-ish questions um, just for our listeners to get to know you as a traveler a little bit more. Um, so we'll have those in, and then that's it. So um, the first one is, what is your favorite book or movie that offers you a travel escape or inspires an adventure? Oh, that's a good one. I think it was early, early on before I went to Africa, I read a book called Dangerous Beauty. And it was about a, a bush guide. And it was such a beautiful story. And then it led me to a few more books. But I think Dangerous Beauty, where we really understood from the from the guide's perspective what it's like to be in the African bush just inspired me and it what pushed me to take my first trip to Africa. My first and only trip, I'm sad to say, but that is a place on earth that I find to be the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah, there's something deeply uh spiritual and the beauty, I think I really felt so at home there the one time that I traveled as well. And I've heard that from so many people. There's just something that is so deeply connected to, to everyone that lives there. It's such a unique destination. What is always in your suitcase or backpack when you travel? My refillable water bottle, always. I think that's the one thing that I always, always bring. And now I take a filter, uh, a travel filter as well, because the plastics issue has been my my thing for 15 years. So I think that's my go-to always. <laughs> yeah. And I always tell everyone that's the easiest um, and uh, easiest first step and has such a great impact. So um, what has been your favorite destination? That is a really tough question. I think, you know, of course, Africa would have been at the top, but I have to say it's to have a favorite. It's such a tough question. I think Impossible. my most, somebody once said to me, my favorite destination is my next destination. Um, but that's mm -hmm. kind of a cop-out. So I, I will definitely say that for me, it was just a, a, a travel dream because I'm an animal lover. Like I'm a huge animal nut. So I think Antarctica was a, was a top, top, top destination. And one that I felt like I was on another planet. Um, it's a, it's a place that's so fragile and so beautiful. And I felt like I was the farthest I've ever been in my entire life. And I think I was in fact, the farthest I've ever been in my entire life from home, but the fragility of that place and the harshness and this darkness was just re remarkable. And that population of wildlife blew my mind that and the Galapagos. Now I'm not even telling you one, I'm telling you three, but uh, for me, it's the animals <laughs> in their natural habitat is when I find my most my most uh, highest self to see that uh, experience. And, and so knowing that those places are, are holding on to those populations is incredibly important to me, but to see those animals, those penguins and those whales and everything in the wildlife, Antarctica was just phenomenal. Yeah. I think that really speaks to what we need as humans is to be able to see that wildness and so I think it's so interesting how important it is then to conserve that. And again, why travel is so important because once we have those experiences and witness that, um, we, there's something that is awakened that really encourages us to be an advocate for those places. So where do you still long to visit? 
Oh boy. I think I have never been to see the gorillas in the wild. I think Rwanda, Uganda is going to be at the very top of my list, even though I know that it's such a fragile place and the more demands on that place, but to see those animals in the wild, it's, it's the, the top of my list. And I had that trip scheduled when I was turning 50, I had that trip scheduled. And then there was a, we were going to be going to the Congo and there was a lot of unrest and, and some violence and we had to cancel that trip. And I've never, you know, life got in the way again and I haven't been. So to see them in the wild is definitely a dream trip. And everyone that I know that's ever taken that trip has described it as just awe-inspiring. So along with probably many people, that is at the top of my list as soon as I can get that trip together again. Yeah, I agree. I also had the opportunity and uh, it didn't work out for a myriad of reasons when I was in Uganda, but I, I also think that it would be unmatched. There's something about, about that experience that seems again, very like healing and soulful. Um, what do you, oh, sorry. We've got to get back on the, I was going to say, we've got to get those trips back together. We've got to get back on that bandwagon and make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. What do you eat that immediately connects you to a place you've been? Uh, You're going to laugh, but I think it's probably Nutella. (laughs) I grew up in Holland and Nutella was a big part of my life. And many times when I'm traveling around the world, when I see Nutella, that's my go-to with a baguette or a tortilla. It it fits on anything. And I see it in the most random places in the world, but I grew up with my mother making Nutella sandwiches for me terribly. I know, but um, it's, it's a weird thing, but that's kind of what I, that brings me back to my childhood. And I know it's on every shelf in some of the most random places in the world. So that's kind of where I go to. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. One of my very favorite things is to seek out the very unique potato chip flavors around the world because I've noticed there's always just very different ones. And I remember eating like shrimp and garlic flavored potato chips like in Thailand or something. And it's just, I love it. It's such a, it just really ties you to the culture in a unique way. Who was the person that inspired or encouraged you to set out and explore the world? Oh boy. I think it was probably my father. My father at the age of 18 got on a boat and traveled to the United States and immigrated and started a whole new life here and then was shipped out to Libya and shipped out to Greece and shipped out to these places. And growing up, I'd hear these stories. Um, and I think he was my original world traveler and not out of um, a desire, but out of a necessity. He was just sent there. But the stories he would talk about really resonated with me. And he was a musician. So we play music in these places Um, and music from around the world was always really, really loud in my house. And I think he probably inspired me to, to be a traveler and, and to know that there's such exploration in that endeavor. Um, So I think that's probably what instilled in me. And he dragged me all over the world, kicking and screaming sometimes. So that's probably what, (laughs) what did it for me. But I think he's probably my biggest, my biggest influence. Yeah. Thank you. Um, the last one is if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? Well, I think it would maybe be, I think it would maybe be Jane Goodall to see the chimps through her eyes and to know that that dedication and that life's work has had such an impact on the world. I think an opportunity to learn from someone like that would be pretty remarkable and and quite a gift. I know people who have been able to interview her or meet with her, um, but the singular dedication to what she's been able to do is just really impressive. And and it's a testament to what one person can do. Um, And the lesson that we can all do something small, you know, I, I often say that one small act multiplied by billions can have an impact around the world. Um, And certainly her dedication would be a phenomenal couple of days of travel together. Yeah, absolutely. I've been really listening to her podcast recently and it's so amazing just to get to hear her stories and her voice and her love of her work. And um, yeah, that would be an amazing travel companion. Um, Well, Paula, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation, um, getting to speak about so many things that I'm really passionate about and passionate about sharing with others. And I appreciate your time today. 
Christine, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for giving this topic and this important work of forum and, and sharing that and committing to that and having all these incredible women on your podcast. It's kind of an honor to be here with you and um, anything that we can do to support together. I'd love to work together in the future too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Soul of Travel. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If you love this conversation, I encourage you to subscribe, rate the podcast, and share the episodes that inspire you with others. I am so proud of the way these conversations are bringing together people from around the world. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I am so happy you are here. You can find all the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourns community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here you can learn more about Soul of Travel and my guests. You can see details about the transformational sojourns I guide for women, as well as my book Sojourn, which offers an opportunity to explore your heart, mind, and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey. I am all about community and would love to connect. You can find me on Facebook at Lotus Sojourns and join our community, the Lotus Sojourns Collective. Or follow me on Instagram, either at Lotus Sojourns or at Soul of Travel Podcast. Stay up to date by joining the Lotus Sojourns mailing list. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story.